I, uh, I never thought in my life that I'd be living in like a outside of the city, much less in like a suburban setting. And, um, mm -hmm. we moved up here and now I hate leaving the house. <laughs> I really do. I, I really, I kind of hate it. Like, but my wife had moved up here from new Orleans. So my, everything kind of sucks after living in new Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we will have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have a question or want to pitch something or what have you, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. Some time ago, I reached out to someone I follow on Instagram because all signs suggested they had been hacked by a crypto bot. In inquiring to them via DM, they said, no, but you should really consider cashing in on whatever obvious scam they were presenting to me. Sure didn't seem like behavior for a guy one saw in, quote, the world's most evil black metal band. Thankfully, the truth was revealed and upon sending a follow-up message, I was relieved to find that I was no longer speaking with a Nigerian prince. Uh, today's guest is Dean Rispler, and I promise he is way more interesting than that story, which we will probably circle back to at some point. Um, he's uh, based out of Catskill, New York uh, at the moment, and Dean is a producer, musician, and runs Drugfront Records, and has played or worked with bands and artists such as The Dictators, Murphy's Law, Weird Al, his own project Swilson, Cosmo Demonic, his Black and Doom Metal band, The Mighty High, Osaka Popstar, and has also done things with Sweet Diesel, which featured uh, Zach Curlin, previous guest from Green Dragon and Altered States. And of course, Witch Taint, which also features previous guests of the pod, Dave Hill. And last but not least, a band called Butt Steak. But you may know him best as a longtime host of Records of Ruin on Gimme Metal slash Gimme Radio. So welcome to Diary of Dune, Dean. I hope you don't mind that I uh, may have embarrassed you a little bit there. No, I'm... Uh, I, uh... Um, even the embarrassing stuff I try to embrace. <laughs> it's all it's part of the history, it's all, right? Yeah, it's all part of history. It's, uh, you know, like, I, it's it's funny when people bring stuff up that I com completely forget about. It's funny you bring up butt, butt steak because um, I, I haven't listened to that stuff in a long time. I, I, I produced butt steak and then I actually produced the members of butt steak went on to do another band that was even better called... Uh, the was Lee Harvey Keitel band, which record is amazing, but never did anything because the band basically broke up as soon as the record was done. <laughs> Lee Harvey Keitel, I love yeah, the that. Lee Lee, Har Lee Harvey Keitel band. They were great, and um, the old bass player from Buttsteak, he went on to uh, co-open. He was one of the co-owners of Autobar in in Baltimore. Okay, yeah, I've heard of Autobar. 
Yeah, I've definitely he, never been there, but yeah, it's I a great, great spot. It. It's a great spot, and 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 um, and Mike Bowen is his name. He was the old bass player, and he uh, he's actually become a really prolific artist. I actually have a piece of art of his that I bought not too long ago that I really like. But um, yeah, um, I embrace all of it, even the you know, that that's not embarrassing. The name Buttsteak may be embarrassing for some, but but the band was not embarrassing. The band was great. <laughs> they were really cool band but there's more way more embarrassing stuff in my past that i'm more than willing to talk about but i'd rather not (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean you've been at it for a long time doing stuff and being involved in uh the local you know local music scene um and i i wanted to have you on the podcast because you strike me as someone who's always remained a fan of music oh, um, yeah. throughout your career, like yeah. regardless of you being a musician or a producer and all that. So like, what are your earliest experiences with music? Did you have a musical upbringing or did you discover it on your own? My mom is uh, was a, a self-taught musician. She had a piano in the house and she had, a guitar, she had guitars in the house, like acoustic guitars and some other cheapo electric guitar and, um, she was really into music, like listening to music and playing. She she played piano pretty well and she sang really well, actually. So I was always surrounded by music and we had a split level I, where, where, where I grew up. I was born in, in, in Brooklyn, but then we moved out to Long Island when I was about three years old and we had the split level house. So, so there wasn't really a basement per se, but it was like a, a the lower level had like a den with a TV and a, there was a stereo there, like an old crappy stereo. I used to just go down there and listen to my parents' 45s, you know, like Chuck Berry and uh, a lot of Tommy James and the Shondells and stuff like that. Like, you know, like six, 50s and 60s rock and roll stuff that I <clears throat> totally loved. And I, <clears throat> it seemed like every every kid that I grew up with was that's the first stuff they heard was the stuff that their parents grew up on, which was all mm-hmm. like fifties rock and roll and fifties and sixties rock and roll. So I got really into that as a young kid. And honestly, that's still, I would, I would say that's as much as heavy metal and punk rock completely changed my life when I got into it. I, but I, w- I will go on record saying that, 50s and 60s rock and roll like early early stuff is still my absolute favorite i there's a station up here a radio station called wgny that i found when i was up here it's like an amazing oldie station and that's on my that's on in my house and in my car i that's what 80 percent of my day is listening to is just listening to like 50s and 60s and early 70s oldies what would be called oldies now because you know when we were growing up 70s stuff was new yeah <laughs> but, but i mean like now, now anything that's 20 years old is considered vintage but i don't believe me i don't i don't find anything when people talk about 90s being oldies i get really upset because i grew up during that time and that shit sucked when it happened <laughs> so, i was a kid then so was, i mean yeah. we kind of occupy a weird space because now there's a generation below me that like I grew up understanding like what the oldies were because like my grandparents, I grew up with like my mom's grandparents and, you know, my mom grew up with that. And she told me about the stuff that she was into because she yeah. was a punk back in the day too. But now you show somebody that they're probably like, what the fuck? Like it, it's, it's weird to be my age and feeling like that. It's kind of strange. And now I can only imagine you're like, oh man, thinking about 50s 
from the perspective of Gen Z has got to be wild. Yeah, definitely. It's just funny to me when I meet people who are talk about the nineties when it's like oldies and that that's, that's kind of mind blowing. But also, also for me personally, like, I mean, I have a, since I grew up, since I, since I was a cognitive, somewhat cognitive adult musician coming out as a musician in the nineties, like a touring musician. Like I started touring when it was like 1992, 93, mm-hmm. like 92, 93 to be around all of that stuff. And like, I still hate it. Like, I still hate the nineties are like the, mo- the most disappointing decades. It was like, <laughs> like I, I, you know, like I, like the only, the only stuff I could go back and listen to, there's very few things from the nineties that I could go back and listen to because er- everything took a really weird turn. Like the nineties was still embracing that late eighties shitty fucking production value like uh, these giant drums with the vocals all the way up front and everything kind of pushed back and you know like fucking like hysteria by Def Leppard like I, I loved the first like three Def Leppard records and then hysteria camp comes out and it's just like this is this is not even music anymore it's like what became of Aerosmith it's like it's not even this is there's no guitar I don't even hear guitars on this like I don't, I don't even know what this is it doesn't make any sense to me it was like an embrace of everything that was shitty about pop and new wave like shoved into like a so-called hard rock heavy metal package and that was happening across the board you know like even death metal which if you look at the night for me this is me being really extreme and i i speak in extremes a lot so take that for what it is for me the 90s the only thing great about the 90s the only great is like death metal and 90 early 90s up to like 95 hip hop now all, both both of those both of those genres suffered from terrible productions like i mean if you listen to, like I, it's hard for me to go back and listen to like some of these early death metal records from the 90s because they sound so terrible like they were trying to put that sound like there was a trend you know like this late 80s early 90s trend of how things sounded they were still putting that stamp on genres that it made no sense with it made sense with the hip hop because hip hop was about the beat and the vocals, right? That made sense, but it wasn't about that with death metal. <laughs> it wasn't like, like, don't get me wrong, the beat and the vocals really are an integral part of it, but that wasn't what was supposed to be featured. Like the, like the guitars get swallowed up and it's just really tinny kind of sound. Plus, I hated grunge. Like, I fucking hated it. Like, all that like, grunge explosion. <laughs> You're like the first person to come on here and say, I hated grunge. Oh, I fucking hate it. Like, when it comes to grunge, like, I, lo- I love uh, Mud Honey. Mud Honey was great because they sound like the Stooges, and I love the Stooges. And they, you know, you could call them grunge, but they were basically the Stooges. They sound exactly like the Stooges. So I love They sound like Stooges meets Blue Cheer. I'm fine with that. But Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all that shit. Oh, God, I fucking hate it hated it i still hate it it. don't get me wrong i recognize the brilliance of good songwriting and i know that nirvana wrote great songs i just cannot stand it i cannot stand i cannot stand i cannot stand like one second of pearl jam i can't stand it i can't stand i fucking hate soundgarden i fucking hate all that shit i fucking can't stand i hear it on the perfect example in the late 90s 2000s i used to listen to music 
on a little boom box and the and the, when i took a shower i kept the boom box like on top of the mirror like the medicine cabinet so i yeah, used to go in the shower and listen that. to music right and i used to switch between at the time it was basically switching between three stations it was uh um 1043 the classic yep. rock station yep which and then uh 101.1 which is wcbs which is like the, the the oldie station which is really not the same anymore and then there for a little while in new york i don't know if you remember there was a 101.9 yeah which was doing like alternative rock yeah they would, they would play some punk stuff and stuff so i'd switch between them if you know when i could so but when you go in the shower you have to switch to one and go in the shower there were certain bands that were considered like i would step out of the shower for like to get the whole <laughs> place wet to turn off the the, the station like i hate journey I hate Boston. I hate, I fucking hate uh, uh, Supertramp. Remember, I totally respect these guys' songwriting and I recognize their brilliance and I totally support them making money and, and I understand why people like them, but I can't stand it. And along with that was like modern station. Whenever I, I, I could hear feedback in seconds, I'd be like, that's fucking Soundgarden. Step out of the shower and change it. Like that, <laughs> I, I fucking can't, I can't stand it. Like, the, like that whole, that whole, early 90s mid 90s sound like i i hear it and i just it just like allison chains like I, don't get me wrong again i i totally respect the songs and respect like everything they did. i hear it and it just it 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 just rubs me the wrong way like i like it just chills go up my my spine and in the worst possible way and like oh i can't stand it. i gotta change change the channel so that's the, i just hate it i hated it i hated it i, I found it all really empty to me like even even going back and like i accept some of it like like allison chains is a perfect example a band that i kind of grew on me a little bit like i i understand why people like it i don't i won't change the channel now as soon as it comes on mm -hmm. but a lot of that other stuff like i i just i can't hear it so pearl jam Soundgarden, nirvana like if i hear i have to i can't you know like, but i think part of the the issue maybe there is that like grunge so quickly became like a mockery of itself oh, and then yeah. you had that whole slew of imitation bands like you know creed and all the gravel yeah. voice guys and like obviously yeah. those are not very good bands they're no. pretty easy to dunk on i remember back in like high school i was pretty like into pearl jam but like i don't know i feel kind of like <laughs> a little just a little embarrassed about it you know like yeah, i don't I mean, like I, listen, listen uh, with, with pearl jam pearl jam as far as respect goes for the band, like I have the utmost respect for those guys, because those guys, those guys worked harder than anybody. Those guys, when that record came out, now don't get me wrong, they were lucky and in 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 very lucky that they were like one, part of the first wave of bands all of a sudden just going straight to the majors. Like they went straight to the majors, which is, you know, unheard of. But, you know, they went for the right reasons because whoever signed them knew like, not only saw money signs, but they knew this band is not not going to stop working. They they toured for a year and a half mm -hmm. on that first track, like a full year and a half. They just toured. I mean, that's 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 amazing. That's amazing. Even though I can't stand it, I I have nothing but respect for how they worked it and how they continued working it, and even worked on their own. They, they became sort of a major label DIY band, not unlike the, the Grateful Dead. They just did whatever they wanted. And fans, you know, 
the, the, the label really couldn't tell them what to do. They just did whatever they wanted and the fans stuck with them, which is amazing and fantastic. Great career. I just can't stand it. I can't stand hearing that at all. I couldn't tell you what the like the last Pearl Jam song that came out was. No, I, I wouldn't I know. No I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know at all. As a matter of fact, my wife grew up in Seattle. She grew up in West Seattle. And her sister actually lives down the block from Eddie Vedder. Huh. And, uh, and he's a he's a great dude. Like everyone in the neighborhood loves him. And matter of fact, we went to some show. They have a, a, a record store down there, a really great record store called Easy Street Records in West Seattle. And uh, they have in-store shows. I went to go see an artist, uh, Alan Johannes, who used to play. He played yes. With, um, yeah, he played with uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Stone Age and a bunch of other bands. We, we have a lot of mutual. My wife knows who he is, and 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 we have a bunch of mutual friends. And so we I, we saw the sign up to, that he was playing while we were there. So we went, and before the set, some guy comes on stage and he's talking about Alan, really really nice stuff about Alan. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. This I I, I guess this guy works here. I don't know who he is. And, so when we left the show, I was like, who was that guy who came on stage and saying, was that one of the owners? And he's like, no, that was Eddie Vedder. <laughs> I didn't even know who it was. He, he looked like a just Joe Schmo normal guy. He was wearing a baseball cap, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever known who it was. So I thought, I thought it was like one of the owners of Easy Street talking like how great Alan is, but it turned out to be Eddie Vedder. So that's how far out of it from that world I am. But that was cool. But uh, that being said, coming back around to all the grunge stuff I, it just hit me the wrong way like like right. I said, I, I, like as far as sub pop stuff goes uh, i i love mud honey and i absolutely love the fluid and but that's it that those two bands were like they were like compared to all those other bands were kind of anomalies like like mud honey was basically a retro blue cheer meets the stooges and fluid were like new york dolls mc5 you know so so, mm -hmm. so that's why i loved it but uh, all those other bands, uh, and across the board, I'm not just going to sub-pop, across the whole board, like Merge Records, Matador, all these labels, like those are records, like I, I was a record collector, I bought records. Believe me, if I could send all those records back and get my money back, I would. <laughs> I, would. I would, like, like I want to sue Merge and Sub-Pop and Matador for making me buy these shitty fucking records, these shitty fucking totally forgettable garbage records like garbage like absolute garbage it's completely forgettable like records that are worth money now like i should probably go through my shit and sell You'd it probably sell it on discogs i'm sure someone would buy it up yeah i'm sure i'm sure but but totally forgettable like absolutely forgettable garbage and don't get me wrong every you know this is just part of life every label i'm sure there's tons of tons of labels that i bought stuff from that are just forgettable stuff but i mean like it's just amazing i, I just look back and how much time and energy i put into buying some of these records and it's completely forgettable completely forgettable stuff but that's the 90s for you you know it, it, but and, and it seemed to have gotten worse because the 2000s weren't much better but at, at least there was a little bit of a the desert rock thing kind of helped towards yeah. the 90s like there, at least there was an explosion of like cool retro rock you know with with queens of the stone age and there was like an underground, there was all like in the nineties and, and through the two thousands, there was this underground sort of sludge brewing up and yeah. it, it yeah. didn't really bubble up. It really kind of just like was there yeah. and 
the independent metal scene and hardcore scene. Well, I don't know about hardcore. I won't speak on that. I'm not an expert there, but like there was definitely that whole string of bands where they're like, yeah, we fucking love hardcore. It's all like good shit. You stuff that you weren't hearing bands talk about really. And they were all kind of coasting on that underground for a while before it eventually kind of like seeped in, as I like to say with the advent of technology and the internet and shit like that. So like, when did you um, start to get into metal and or like heavy music and do you have a landmark album that you think was like i'm gonna check more of this shit out yeah i mean when i was really young i I must have been about nine or ten years old i was oh i was definitely like eight or eight or nine years old and the the first i I was listening to the radio nonstop, like all the time so I, i fell in love with everything that was cool on the radio to me you know like what really like at you know, and of course you're extremely impressionable at eight, nine years old, you know, yeah. like, and what totally got me was, uh, I heard the first, I remember hearing Pink Floyd's The Wall had come out in 79. And uh, that song was the, the single was Another Brick in the Wall part two with, uh, you know, I Don't Need No Education. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah. I heard that as a, as an eight, nine-year-old kid who fucking hated school so much, hated it. And, and uh, I heard that and I was like, holy shit, this is someone singing about like me, you know, fuck the teachers and fuck the school and fuck everybody, you know, and we don't need this. And that became like me and my friend's immediate anthem. We couldn't believe what we were hearing. You know, we were hearing someone say, you know, on the radio, fuck school, you know, like this was, you know, this was our generation schools out, you know, by, by Alice Cooper, you know, it was like, but it was even more direct. Whereas schools out is more like kitschy and fun. You know, it was on the fucking Muppet show and shit, you know, <laughs> where, where like, that's like more fun. This was like serious. This was serious. This was like, fuck the teachers. We're the kids, you know, fuck everybody. You know, it was like, this was our, mm-hmm. you know, over, this was over the edge, but in musical form for us, you know? So so that was the big deal. And, you know, <clears throat> that was blew up so heavy on the radio that and Pink Floyd was already gigantic. So I, I fell in love with Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd kind of embraces a lot of they're, they're a genre kind of on their own and which embraces a lot of different kind of genres. You know, there's definitely some real heavy stuff in there, super mm-hmm. heavy. And there's definitely psychedelic. And, you know, there's no doubt that kraut rock bands and drone bands and and stoner rock bands all all took from them you know there's no doubt about that you know so so i learned a lot from them and then as a little kid you know seeing you know in the 70s rock and roll was king there was nothing there was really nothing else you know <laughs> i was like so like you'd go to the store like the local stores like uh, like the five and dime that sold like uh t-shirts and posters and stuff you see you know when you're a kid you see these bands and they so you see all the posters and you see like black sabbath posters it's totally scary to you as a kid and then i was attracted to that stuff i was like oh this is this is this is me right here this is what i want to see like pictures of i see pictures of pink floyd and led zeppelin and uh black sabbath and leonard skinnerd and acdc and i was like these are the people that these are my people. I could tell already, you know, I could tell at a really young age, it's like, Oh, these are, these are my people. And then of course there was like the burnout kids in the neighborhood were wearing black Sabbath jackets and 
Led Zeppelin shit. So I was, you know, if I heard it on the radio, I was like intent and like listen. And and that's how I, you know, I just fell in love with all that. Like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and and where where I, you know, in the the block where I grew up, there were a bunch of older kids who were all into that stuff. So I heard it all the time, you know. I got exposed to all that stuff really at a really young age and then just started craving more and more. And I remember being 10 years old and buying Blizzard of Oz on cassette because I, you know, I, I, I'd seen pictures of Ozzy and, and so I, and I saw that record cover and I'm like, what the fuck is this dude? This looks crazy. And, and, you know, that was a huge influence on my life hearing, hearing that record and hearing Randy Rhodes. And that got me really into the metal. Like that's from, from then on, all I wanted, I just wanted faster and harder. And then it became like, at that age, everything moved so fast, you know, at 12 years old, I was totally 100% into metal. And by 13 years old, I was already looking to buy Discharge and Dead Kennedy's record. So I just wanted faster and more nastier, mm-hmm. you know, like anything that was faster, nastier and, and crazier, you know, it was like, I remember, you know, at 12 years old hearing Motorhead. And then, you know, I, I was like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And then from there, it was like, you know, I just wanted more. I just wanted more. And uh, and then, so that stuff kind of just combination enhanced and ruined my life. <laughs> that's basically it, you know, but so, all I, you know, I just wanted more weirder shit, you know, the weird, and that's, you know, I, and, you know, if, if you go that direction and you have an open mind, you start listening to more and more, more weird shit and just all, all encompassing, you know, besides all the metal stuff that, that, I loved all of a sudden it was like punk rock, whatever you want to call it. You know, I started getting into New York dolls and you know, dead Kennedys. And, uh, I remember getting into like dead boys and Lords of the new church and just all, anything that was cool to me, I just loved, it was all encompassing, you know, and, uh, and, but you know, I, I just loved it all. I was really lucky that I was surrounded by, all this stuff and also surrounded by i was lucky that other people that i met who saw me buying records were like oh if you like this you'd like this you know maybe you should check this out and this that so i was really lucky that to have my mind opened by by this kind of stuff and and um you know by the time i was you know 14 15 years old i was like you know full-blown record collecting everything you know everything rock and roll that definitely became uh just music became in a complete obsession you know at that point you know it was like i I just knew that i this is was it wasn't just oh i was buying records it was a lifestyle this is a complete lifestyle you know like this is this was who i was you know the kind of people who were into this stuff and making this kind of stuff whether metal or punk or even like you know weirdo shit like i wouldn't even know where to put some of this music you know like I got into you know even at a young age I was into like the residence kraut rock shit like can and faust and noise mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, I was into weird stuff you know all around you know and um and I was studying music I was taking guitar lessons and I was also studying music in school so I was turned on to classical and jazz and and you know and all and of course i was attracted to the weird shit and that you know i was like into 
Stravinsky and all the serialism stuff. And then I was into, you know, with jazz, like I was uh, in, you know, like I got introduced to free jazz and the hard bop stuff and all the 60s posts, you don't even know what to call it. Like, it's like psychedelic jazz, like, you know, like Love Supreme post, you know, post Love Supreme Coltrane stuff, like Africa and Ohm and Ornette Coleman. And, you know, it just got crazier and crazier. Like anything that was weird and interesting, I got into. And then, then sometimes you work backwards, you know, you're like, oh, what did this artist do beforehand? And then, you know, you start getting into all this other stuff. And, you know, and I was exposed to country at a young age too, because my dad, my dad was a traveling salesman, listened to country all the time. He just, he liked it. So I was exposed to country and I got into that stuff too. And uh, it, it just got a complete obsession across the board, like just music in general, mostly, but mostly rock and roll. Like I could, could go off on other tangents, but it was, it, <laughs> it was all encompassing. And that was it, you know, that was all I cared about, really. That was all I cared about was, was music and records and everything that all the ephemera that went along with that. What's like, you know, you, you said it's like a, an obsession. What do you think is like the most extreme thing you did to get a record? Hmm. Well, I don't know if it was so extreme, but, you know, when I got into record collecting, uh, we, you know, I was living out in Long Island, you know, so I, I would, I would, mm -hmm. you know, get friends of mine to go into the city with me. Like we'd take the train into the city and then we'd go to, at the time in the eighties, West eighth street, which is now like nothing's there, you know, nothing cool's there. But at the time in the eighties, that whole block West eighth street between like, between like Broadway and, and sixth Avenue, or, you know, that, that was all record stores. That whole, that whole block was like revolver records, Venus records. It's only rock and roll was down there. There were all these record stores like on that block and we would just go there and go to every record store. It was really real tunnel vision. <laughs> it was really, you know, I look back and it was like, we, we, we would make fun. As a matter of fact, when we got a little older and started going to different places in the city, we would make fun of ourselves. We were like, wow, we really didn't leave this block for like hours. Like we were just on that block for like hours and hours and hours at record stores on one block like one or two blocks and the rest of the city was just like standing there. We could have went to a bunch of other cool spots and cool stores, but we would just like, I was like stuck in like, I'd stay in one record store for like three hours and go to the next store for like three hours. Next thing you know, it's like, okay, we got to go home. It's like, you know, it's nighttime. So we got to go home. So <clears throat> it was kind of uh, obsessive with that, but, but I used to, you know, I, I made a lot of friends who really weren't, you know, they were into music and, but they, I made a lot of friends become part-time record collectors <laughs> who really weren't, who, who really didn't need that in their life. It's funny. Like I, I speak to friends now I'm still very close to who, who are very thankful about everything I turned them on to. So I was very intuitive with certain friends, even if they didn't have the same taste, I kind of knew what they'd be into. I was that that's how into music I was. Like I had friends who were like, really good friends are really into the Beatles. They like, like pop, pop music. So it's like, but I knew what stuff they would be into that I turned them on to. Like I, I was also into the jangly Paisley power, you know, Paisley power pop eighties, you know, retro explosion, like rain, like REM rain, early REM rain parade, uh, all that's, you know, all the retro garage stuff, uh, uh, flesh tones and, uh, 
raunch hands and stuff like that. So, so I knew all this stuff. So when someone was like, oh, I'm into this, I'm like, oh, then you should hear this and this and that. And I turn all these people onto this stuff that they were like, holy shit, I never knew this stuff existed. So they're all really thankful, but also they're like, they're all, you know, like, why did I buy all this stuff? They <laughs> 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 we weren't obsessed with records. Like, why do I have all these records? Oh, it's because you were the most extreme thing that happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of them, you know, I still have friends who still to this day thank me for turning them on to all this stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's just funny because they're like, what am I going to do with all, you know, they're giving away their vinyl now, even though they shouldn't, but they're giving it away because they're like, I don't listen to this stuff. What am I doing? But as far as, you know, records go, I, th I think I'm, I'm weirdly more extreme now with records. Uh, now it's since the vinyl re-explosion of vinyl in the last 10 years 10 15 years now it's like these companies especially metal and punk they they know who their buyers are and they're purposely doing this stuff which I, i'm into but it's also really annoying they're, they're purposely putting out like first pressing of 100 or 200 on this colored vinyl or this special edition and then it's gone so it's like i become obsessed with that you know, like, I'll be like, I got to get this, got to get this. And like, and uh, so I'll become obsessed with that and be like, you know, like setting alarms to wake up early in the morning for when a record goes on sale. <laughs> you know, so that's a little, I think that's a little weird and extreme, even for me. Like, I thought that was weird, you know? Yeah. I mean, and the thing is like, they're bands and labels are doing like cool things and cool releases, like let alone they're putting out really cool bands and shit like that. Like, yeah. They're putting out like cool packages, you know. This comes with a T-shirt, comes with an yeah. art book, whatever the fuck it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like my friend's band, you know that band, Savage Master. You know that. I haven't really listened to them, but I definitely yeah. know of them. They're they're uh, Adam from Savage Master, old friend of mine. He used to be in Hookers, and he was also in he was in uh, Nashville Pussy back in early okay. days. Yeah, yeah. And he was also in a band called <clears throat> Brothers of Conquest, whose record I produced one of their records for Go Kart. And we became really close friends. So he's in that band and like their new record, the original, the very first pressing, they only did 50 copies of like a, it's like a clear vinyl, but inside the vinyl is like fake blood that moves around, you know? Like, oh, that's thing. cool. And I, and I was about to buy, I was like, I got to get this. It was $150 because there was only 50 yeah. names, right? And I was like, should I buy this? Should I buy this? And I'm like, I, I can't do, I can't justify this $150 for a record that I, I shouldn't even be opening, you know, like it should just stay in the packaging. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. But part of me still feels like, oh, I should have done it. But I, you know, it's like, that's how obsessive things get, you know, should I get this? Should I get this? Like, I'm really into this band, um, Crippled Black Phoenix, you know that band? Yeah, that's one of the dudes from Electric Wizard. Right. I don't know I don't if from Electric Wizards, it's uh, Justin from used to be an Iron Monkey. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know him from the Verukers. He used to be the dr drummer from the Verukers. But he, uh, uh, his whole, they, they have a new record coming out very soon on in Season of Mist. <clears throat> and I'm, a, I'm like kind of obsessed with that band. And uh, so I bought like the, the Die Hard version, pre ordered the, like that mm -hmm. it was like a hundred dollars with like a like a triple record set with came with like a a mask you know <laughs> she's like I bu I'm buying it I'm like yeah I gotta get this and I buy it I'm like do I did I really need this 
<laughs> you don't need like a fucking a mask and like uh, all this crazy shit. No, I don't. You know, I really don't. But I wanted it. You know, so that's how. That's a, even for me. Even while buying it, I'm like, what am I doing? What? The <laughs> I mean, I should be saving money for the mortgage. You know, rather than spending. Like I bought the the Voivod box set the other day. Yeah, when it came out, because I'm a huge Voivod fan. So I'm like, I have to buy this, I have to buy this, it has all this cool shit in it, I have to buy, I have to buy. I have all the records already. I have all those records already. It's like, I just bought a box that's going to sit there. But I had to get it. You know, same thing, like the the first two Metallica box sets. Like, I had to get them. They're still sealed. I still have them sealed. I haven't even opened them. Why would I open them? Because I, I have those records already. <laughs> <laughs> and you just listen to the ones you've listened your whole life. Yeah, and it, it, the funniest thing is like, I... It, it, I, it's just, it's just an upset. It's a problem. That's a real problem. That's like, luckily, luckily, that's my, as far as collecting goes, that's my really, as far as collecting and addiction goes, that's my only real problem. Like I, I, you know, luckily I'm, I never, you know, like this could have been all drugs, you know, and luckily it wasn't, you know, you could have gotten it really into craft beer. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I used exactly. to go to some people's houses and like they were collectors and I'm like, this isn't a collection. This is just crates of beer. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. I, di I didn't, you know, I didn't expect when I, it's funny because when I was a kid and I met record collectors, I thought it was so cool. You go over to the house. I remember going to people's houses and they'd have like records all over the wall and shit. They'd have like picture discs on the ceiling and all this cool shit. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. But at the same time, I was like, even at that young age, as much as I wanted that, I wanted my house to look like a record store. As much as I wanted that, I was also like, do I really, at the same time, I was also fighting. I was like, do I really need this? Do I really, am I, am I listening to records or am I a collector? It's like, what's more important, you know? And obviously listening to records and soaking it all in and soaking it in as a musician and refiltering it through your own creativity and playing is way more important than all this collection. But here I am with thousands and thousands of records and all this ephemera, you know, box sets, unopened box sets. Fucking ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. Like, I could show you, like, I fucking have... I remember being so psyched when that fucking Venom box set came out. I still... I still sealed. I haven't even had time to open it. Like, I have all these records that is, like, still sealed because I just haven't had time to open it. And since I moved, I moved here a year ago, I still haven't set up the record... Like everything's a mess. Like we're still doing. Yeah. So I'm buying records and not even listening to them. I'm I'm buying records and listening to them on Bandcamp or on you know if I, if it doesn't have a digital download, listening to it on Spotify or YouTube. You know, <laughs> so like there's I have a like a stack of records like this big still sealed, just you know just sitting there. I know. Um, I mean, I, wrong I, mine's that? probably pales in comparison. But I mean, I'm looking at it and like I've been taking stuff from like my mom's collection and. You know, it, it, so I have like the weirdest fucking record collection, probably. And uh, it's pretty small, things considered. But yeah, I've still got about probably like 100, 120 like albums to get through. And I'm like, that's probably not going to happen by the end of the year. <laughs> no, no, no. And it's funny you say that because I, 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 when my mom, you know, decided to get rid of all her stuff, I, there wasn't many records that I wanted, but I did take some stuff from her. And also, I was really lucky that cousins and friends during the cd explosion were just giving their vinyl away so i have a lot of cool records that people just gave me like i got really lucked out with that but but definitely a weird collection there's definitely some weird shit in there like stuff i would never buy 
but to have, you know, because it got, got through friends and stuff like that. <laughs> so definitely some weirdo stuff in there, but, but, uh, you know, it's cool, you know, and it's also, and at this age, it's also cool. Then when, when people come over and they go through your record collection and like, Oh, you have this, you have this. And we're all listening to stuff. You know, hasn't been a while, but it's like I said, I haven't even hooked up the turntable mm -hmm. here because it's just been a absolute fucking mess in the new house with renovation and stuff. But, that's a whole other story. So like, given that you work in music production and like, I've had a few guests on who work in production or yes. engineering, does it give you any kind of unique position on listening to music or do you have, like, do you have to put yourself in a different state of mind when you're listening for pleasure as opposed to work? Yes. Yes. Yes to all. If something's recorded in a way that I think is shitty or wrong or just bizarre choices that I would, that would never want to hear or ne or don't like. Sometimes I have to put myself outside of it and just try to listen to the song, you know, but I, I like I have friends who are engineers and producers who there's certain music they just can't listen to because it's recorded so shitty. <laughs> like early black metal. <laughs> yeah, early black metal, uh, which at the time when I first heard it was a problem for me. I was like, why is it? This sounds terrible. Like all this stuff sounds terrible. Same thing with like early death metal. Like early death metal at the time when it came out, I just didn't get it. When it first came out, first right. of all, the stuff I liked was the stuff that wasn't. When I first heard the Cookie Monster kind of vocals, you know, like the really deep. Yeah. I did not get that. Now I like it. Now I understand that it's cool. Like I, like now I'm, I'm like I, I like some of it, but like the early death metal I liked was like death and obituary stuff like that that was more like the vocals were a little more on the black metal side than not or like a, or like a hard or like a hardcore yell yeah more like that rather than like the the deep that took me a long time to get used to and start liking it i just did not get it when it first came out and also that early death metal stuff especially in the 90s the, the production was so terrible like <laughs> the production was just so bad that it was like really hard to listen to like you just focused in on like one or two things like this you know, this oh, yeah. And I mean, who wanted to produce that at that time? Yes. You know, it was such That's... off the grid, you know? Yeah. Plus, it's just funny because, because then some of the bad production became a trend. The bad production of this pingy snare and really clicky kick drum became like a trend that other people tried to copy. And I was like, why are people into this? This is terrible. <laughs> but, but then it became like sort of a funny trend. Like that, now it's like a retro trend, like all the pingy stuff with the, it's almost like a joke and it's funny, you know, but, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it really works. In the nineties, even with nineties and early two thousands, indie rock stuff, you know, there was a lot of this trend to, to record on, you know, like perfect example would be, Guided by Voices, Guided by Voices, recording on uh, a four track, you know, everything was done on four track, really cheap, you know, like unbelievably cheap, cost, cost them nothing, you know, just to do four track recordings. When I first heard that stuff, I was like, really kind of taken aback. I was like, what is this? But, you know, you have to kind of overlook it sometimes to hear the brilliance of the song. If the song's good, the song's good, you know, like if it's, it doesn't matter if it's recorded terribly it could have been better you know it might have been better for the song and the artist to record them better but that's what they did at the time and i have a friend who who's a, a brilliant engineer he recognizes the good songs from that first strokes record you know that when that strokes record came out 
there's good i don't like the strokes but there's good songs and there's no doubt that there's good memorable songs on there mm -hmm. but my friend like uh, for for months my friend's like i can't listen to this record it's the worst snare drum i've ever heard in my life and this is the worst and blah blah he kept like focusing in on it and it, and sometimes you just have to like stop and just listen to it as a song and be like okay this is a great song without you know focusing in on everything that you hate about it and and it's also like you know it depends on like your audience too like somebody you can have like really tight production and stuff like that and on kind of whatever you want to call it, oddball music but mm -hmm. it's still not going to be like marketable to a bigger audience because you know the strokes yeah. were clearly going for like a bigger audience i don't know if they were going for like u2 level audience but at least like they were going for a pretty big shot so like in that sense people who are listening to that on the norm on the reg are they're probably not going to pick up on it and it doesn't really matter yeah, because exactly. they're going to hear some other aspect of it. Exactly. But then, you know, we can put on a fucking obituary album and everyone's going to say, this sounds like one song and the guy's yelling and I don't know what he's saying and all the guitar riffs are the same, but then we'll be like, nah, man, just listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And then on the other side of that, you know, and especially in the late nineties and early two thousands, though this was a thing that happened throughout the history of music, there was stuff that was overproduced that sounds great and the band's really not that good. Like perfect perfect example of, of the, the, there's a lot of great examples of this, but I remember, I remember um, the two biggest examples at the time, when, when I was getting really into production and stuff and, and then just constantly listening to music. I remember when that, remember that band Jet? Oh yeah. Jet, they had a couple of big hits like, yeah. Oh, are you gonna be my girl or something like that yeah so like that that when that record came out it's it's, sound, it's still it's the beatles it it's the beatles ripoff band yeah but it sounds amazing that record sounds amazing like, oh it's, yeah it's super the sound, slick the sound is amazing the vocals sound great everything sounds amazing and then i remember buying that record and listening to it i'm like wow this is a, this record really sounds great there's only really those two songs but as far as sounds go wow it's great and then I remember seeing them live on uh, Saturday Night Live. Because I, I was like, I remember they came on Saturday Night Live, and I was like, psyched. I was like, oh good, I'm Jet. You know, I just got the record. I'll see them. On. And they were the fucking worst. I mean, the worst. <laughs> like the worst. It sounded terrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. And I'm like, wow, maybe it was just a bad night. This is terrible. So then I watched some more live footage of them, and it, they can't play at all. They can't play at all. Like, like it was all the record. And the same thing happened with uh, that dance artist. Uh, remember M.I.A.? Yes. M.I.A. had a huge hit with the, the sample from uh, mm -hmm. the Splash, from the yep. Clash. Paper and, Planes, um, massive. Yeah, and that, that song's amazing. And some of the other tracks on the record is really cool. And then I saw her oldest live footage, and it was the worst shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, it was like, oh, this woman had a hit before she was a performer. Like she never performed before. She came into the studio, did these songs, and then never was a performer. And it shows because live, it is fucking embarrassingly terrible. Like absolutely off the wall, embarrassingly terrible. Like early hip hop, like when early hip hop groups tried to tour, like nine out of 10 of them sounded terrible live. It was like the worst live show ever. Like they didn't know what they were doing. It didn't translate, you know, it didn't translate at all. Like it just like was like, it looked dumb, it looked dumb and sounded dumb. Like it was, it, there was only a few that really took control of how to do a live show and how to present themselves. They were just used to being a studio project. It's just, it's just funny. It's like it could go either way because then there's bands who are like, 
their records sound really dirgy and kind of lo-fi and then you see him live and it's explosive you know yeah so, <laughs> it's like totally explosive you know? well, speaking of uh bands that sound muddy and stuff and this is a doom metal podcast like when did yeah. you start checking out doom and stoner and sludge and well, have, and who are your favorites i always was a huge i, I sorry i being from new york i forget to say the h sometimes <laughs> being a huge <laughs> Black Sabbath fan. It's okay. I we, I think we all got used to hearing the word huge getting yeah. thrown around a lot. My, my my wife makes fun of me all the time about it. So, but being a huge Black Sabbath fan, that stuff was easy for me to get into. I love I love that stuff so much, and and e- even even you know even some Pink Floyd stuff could be really doomy at times. You know, so mm-hmm. I liked I liked all that kind of droney doomy kind of stuff. I'm trying to think of what was the first, what was the first, I, I guess, I guess what we're, we're trying to figure out what was the first like retro doom or early stoner stuff. It all kind of gets lumped together. In yeah. There. I mean, you know, you could throw the Melvins in there for all. Well, I love like the Melvins. Of, you know what I mean? See, here's the funny thing. Like when I was going to school, when I was going to college and hanging out with all these other record collectors, you know, that's when I first got introduced to the Melvins in like 1988 or something, 80, 87 or 88. And I loved that immediately. I loved that gluey porch treatments and Osmo. Mm-hmm. I love those two records immediately. And I've seen them. I've probably seen the Melvins. Like I'm not an obsessive Melvins fan. I, I, I was in the beginning and I saw them so many times. I saw them like I've seen them over the years, probably like 15 times. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't keep up with them as it started it started sounding really samey to me after a while. Like I couldn't r- really remember the songs. I mean, they were always great live. You know, mm-hmm. but I, think I stopped buying records after like uh, Houdini or St- Stoner Witch, one of those, mm-hmm. one of those records, like one of the ones from the nineties, I stopped buying records, but I used to go see them live all the time and they were amazing live. And they definitely brought in a bunch of other bands you know, I influenced a lot of other bands that were started doing the same type of stuff, but Melvin's were, were, they were really special, especially those first few, few records are really special. And, and then there's a lot of stuff in that genre that I, I really don't like people, you know, like I remember when as a kid, I was really into SST records and seeing those St. Vitus records. And I was like, oh, this looks like something I would really like. And I don't like it. Huh. I could go on record saying I don't like St. Vitus, the band. Don't like it at all. Don't like uh, The Obsessed. Don't like that at all. Don't like anything Wino's done. I've seen him a bunch of times. Super nice dude. He plays great. I'm just not into it. Like I find it really unmemorable, like super unmemorable. Like, I, like if you held a gun to my head, I couldn't sing you back one St. Vitus song or one Obsessed song or Spirit Caravan. Same thing with Electric Wizard. I don't like that either. Like, I think I think the whole concept is great. The look is great. Some of the sounds are cool, but I couldn't I couldn't sing you back one note of one song. Like, it's just totally boring to me. Totally mm-hmm. boring. Like, really not anything special to me. But there's other stuff that you know that that I love. Like, as far as retro stuff like that. Like, I love Uncle Acid. Like the Uncle Acid records mm-hmm. are really good. They, every record they've done is at least one or two great memorable songs on there. So, so like I like and I, I like the way they play. I like the whole concept. Uh, I think they're doing 
even if even if you call it a ripoff, I like their, their whole look. They're, they're doing the same kind of look that Electric Wizard's doing with the retro horror thing, but I just like the way they do it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think they do it better with better songs. You know, there's the songs and better playing. That's just me. You know, like there's, there's some stuff I you know, and with the same thing with like I I, I was never. I love the first Queens of the Stone Age record, but that's pretty much about it. Like, I don't really, I like, I, there's some stuff on the second record I like, but that's it. Like, I, I don't like anything past that second record at all. Like, you want to talk about Overproduced is the last record they did. Was not well, a, a lot of their records even are overproduced. Like, Songs for the Deaf is totally overproduced. Yeah. I just don't, you know, it just, I only, I love that first record so mm-hmm. much. And, and it's funny because I don't, really don't really like Caius. Like Kai, like people think I'm crazy. You don't like Kai? What are you talking about? It's like I don't. I just didn't didn't hit me correctly. Like I just didn't like. I don't get me wrong. They're great players, and I understand why people like them, and I understand their influence. It just doesn't hit me right. Like it didn't hit me. Like all the Kai stuff that I heard from day one that I wanted to like didn't hit me as hard as that first Queens of the Stone Age record. That record was like, wow, this is like. This is the pinnacle of desert rock. Then that started a whole trend, you know. That whole, you know, those guys, those guys, and you know, I'm I'm saying this out of complete respect because I'm really close with Dave Catching, who played in Queens of the Stone Age, and and he he was in Queens of the Stone Age, and he's and my wife is uh, really close with the Caius guys. That's how she knows uh, Dave and stuff. Is that she used to tour with Kaya. She used to, she went out with Hutch, their old sound guy for many years, who's a mm. brilliant sound guy, great guy. That's part of her life. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really good friends with Dave Catching, who owns Rancho de la Luna, where they did all the stuff, the desert sessions, all that kind of shit. A lot of it, I just, it's none of it's bad. It's just doesn't, it's what doesn't I, do it for you. doesn't do it for me. I don't remember it. I don't remember it. If I don't remember it, like, that's a problem. That's a problem for me. You know, it's like, I, I look at music in, 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 in really two ways to, to simplify it. There's, there's the most important thing is songs. That's the most important thing in music. It's like songs. Like, do you remember the song? Do I remember every Chuck Berry song? Yes, I remember every single fucking Chuck Berry song because Chuck Berry rules, right? He rules. Same thing with like, do I remember every, you know, almost every clearance clearwater revival song or tom petty song you know uh, yes because those guys know how to write songs slightly under that is what's next and what's important next is the sound there's plenty of music that i love that's not quote unquote memorable but i love the sound like i love like kraut rock is a perfect example like can faust noi i'm on duel i'm on duel two all these kind of bands it's like do I remember the songs? Maybe one or two songs from one of those, one or two of those bands. But it's the sound I love. That's why I love soundtrack music. Like I listen to soundtracks all the time, like Jerry Goldsmith and John Carpenter and shit like that. Uh, Howard Shore. Do I remember the songs? Not so much. Do I remember the sound? What it sounded like? Yeah, like Kraftwerk. Do I Kraftwerk yeah. has amazing songs, but it's a lot about the sound. You know, it's a lot mm-hmm. about the sound. Like, uh, uh, like I love like that band Zombie. Like. Oh, I love that band. Yeah, I love that band. I don't remember the song so well, but I love the sound. Like I could listen to that shit all fucking day. You know, I love that mm-hmm. stuff. You know, like uh, same thing like uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor. Like there's no songs there, but it's a cool sound. You know, it's like a cool sound. Like it's great background music and it's cool. Yeah. It's great driving music. And I like that a lot. 
that to me is the most important thing. So, so, so like that, that's what it is for me. It's like either I remember the songs, number one, that's 80% of it. The 20% that's the sound. Yeah. There's, there's certain bands that like I hear it and it sounds cool, but I walk away and I don't remember it anymore. Or I remember, or, you know, if I'm lucky, if, if the band has a really great sound, I'll remember the sound. That doesn't mean I'll remember the song, but I remember the sound and that's important. You know, look at in, you know, like a lot of industrial music. There's plenty of industrial music out there that I don't remember the songs, but I know the sound, you know, and I'm like, oh, I, you know, you know, first time hearing Big Black, you know, first time hearing Big Black, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, is this? yeah I went the same way. It's like, what the fuck is this, this insane guitar sound? Like absolutely chainsaw fucking scary guitar sound over fucking these crazy mechanical drum machine beats like that's crazy that was crazy i mean sure sure they got that from somewhere you know you go back and listen to metal urbane you know from from france that's where they got that shit from or like know, throbbing gristle and throbbing like gristle. i'm a huge throbbing gristle fan and throbbing gristle is a perfect example like i love throbbing gristle but i don't really remember the songs you know like i remember parts yeah but like the sound is what that's all about mm-hmm. like throbbing gristle spk um uh einstein the neubauten was a huge huge influence on my life like i couldn't believe what i was hearing when i heard those records but i couldn't really sing back the songs there's no you know the sounds i remember but but that that's what it is you know same thing chrome like i love chrome and chrome had a few songs but mostly it's just about the sounds you know it's about Mm -hmm. the sounds and being like scary soundtrack kind of stuff however i digress because we're going we're talking about like the sludge and stoner stuff the queens the first queens of stone age record was was really like hit me hard. Like like I I heard that record and I was like, I want more of this kind of stuff, like this spacey, hawk windy desert stuff. And that became kind of really trendy, you know, really trendy, really fast, Mm -hmm. especially uh, in the cities, like especially in New York City, that all of a sudden there was, you know, like this retro trend. And I was right there on it. Like uh, Ben and Nick from Sweet Diesel were playing together and um they had asked me to play with them and we, so we we that's when we started we did the brought low you know within six months we did a demo and within a year we were in the studio doing a record for tp records so at that point we did that i did the brought low record and the first produced the first bad wizard record within a month of each other you know i started doing a bunch of work for tp records and was doing you know that so I got really deep into that stuff. You know, there was all these, besides the desert stuff that was coming out of the Palm Springs and Joshua Tree, there was a whole scene here, not just in New York, with bands doing sort of the retro thing, retro rock thing, but there was a whole scene. There's a giant scene down in Jersey, like the Red oh, Bank yeah. area. Like the Red Bank area had like, uh, you know, Monster Magnet, Atomic Bitchwax, Black NASA, core i love that band core was so cool um lord sterling all these bands were like they were just coming out of the woodwork like there was a whole like desert scene in the south new jersey we started playing down there we would play at uh new brunswick at Mm -hmm. Port tavern which was great we'd play with like atomic bitchwax and all these other bands it was killer it was so much fun that got me deep into that stuff for a while and whatever stuck, stuck, you know, like some of the stuff, you know, like, of course, like with any kind of trendy genre or whatnot, some stuff sticks, most stuff doesn't, and some stuff sticks. And and at the time, that, that kind of, it was cool, but it was kind of melding the desert 
stoner stuff and the retro stuff with sludge started coming in you know like there was a point where like as different as they are a band like soylent green will fit in on a show with like atomic bitch wax even though they were completely really when it comes right down to it they're not doing the same thing but that scene caught sort of you know and engulfed it all you know same you know that which is cool at the time if people more open-minded you know <laughs> i guess yeah you're becoming yeah. more open-minded because years before that it would have been things the, the rules started bending you know that uh, we had already seen how crossover in hardcore and metal came together and it started becoming more acceptable to have those bands play together and whatnot and now it's completely normal it's completely normal to have obituary on tour with agnostic front <laughs> yeah. like, you know, so so that's cool. I I think that's cool because at least it it's more open minded and getting a lot of people into different stuff. But with that with that scene, it, it kind of engulfed all this stuff. So it it was uh it was a pretty exciting at the time. You know, uh, brought low. We we did a, a full U.S. tour on that first record, and then did another. I did another tour of South by Southwest, and then that kind of fell apart for me, but I was still working with bands like Bad Wizard and some other bands in the studio and doing records of that kind of nature. Just want to talk about like, you doing Records of Ruin, your show. Um, yeah. Like, what's that process like putting together a playlist and all that? And I'm assuming that like one of the advents and one of the booms to this is like, this has to keep you kind of like on the cusp of like sort of what's new and exciting in metal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I try to keep my show pretty diverse i try to <clears throat> when it comes to my show on gimme metal like I, I try to mix it up with some classic metal and whatever's new you know and sometimes i'll just go off i mean i've had a bunch of shows where it's just all brand new stuff because that's what i was i was just scouring you know for new stuff but now i try to i try to mix it up as much as possible because because it, it's, it's really just what i want to hear for the most part mm or want to listen to. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of stuff I play on there that's brand new and then I'll play it once and forget I even played it. Like I'll have I'll have I'll have fans write me and they're like, "You played this band and I you totally turned me on to this band. And I fucking love them and I saw them. I bought all their records." I I don't remember. I don't remember what band you're talking about, but it's right there on the list that I played them. I don't I, you know, like it'll be like that sometimes. And then sometimes it's like I'll play, you know, classic stuff that nobody cares about that's you know to me is the most important thing ever but nobody cares <laughs> that's how it goes <laughs> but um as far as putting together shows it's gotten more and more difficult i'm up to almost 170 shows now wow. so it's gotten more and more difficult to keep things interesting <laughs> you know i'm trying to keep things interesting so i try to stay on the cusp of of uh new stuff as well as discovering just trying to discover stuff that was forgotten and uh, or lost or even lost in my own collection so i try to mix it up luckily i get you know being on the radio station you get a million emails from all these publicists and record labels yep. tell you what's new and um and being a, a big time record buyer you know i'm getting a ton of emails from via Bandcamp from all these labels and bands so i try to keep a list of what's new and i listen through them so, some of the records i buy you know if i like mm. it and I just keep a list on my phone. And then for every new show, I'm like, oh, I'm going to play this, this, and this, and that. And I try to keep it interesting. But um, that's why I, I, I used to do a show every week. And I had to go down to 
twice a month. Yeah. <laughs> like it was too much. It was too much. It was too much. Like trying to put together a, an interesting show every week is an, there's an art to that. That's why, you know, like famous DJs who do that get paid a lot of money. I'm not getting paid a lot of money at all. So, so it's like, so I had to go down, to, you know, since I'm, I'm also for Gimme Metal, <clears throat> I also produce other people's shows. So a DJ send me their playlist and their voice tracks and I have to put it all together. So I do that. That's what I do all week. I mean, that's what I'm doing all week. All week I'm putting together, <clears throat> you know, anywhere between eight to 15 shows a week. So my show sort of, that's why I had to go down to twice a month. Because I was like, oh, my show is going to suffer if I have to do a new show every week. <laughs> yeah. No, there's no way it's going to be good. There's no way. It's, I'm just going to be throwing together whatever I can. I end up doing more than that because I, I also program Ross the Boss. Ross the Boss has a show on Gimme Metal as well. And um, I program his show because he doesn't he doesn't care. Like it was, it was up to him. He'd just play like, you know, side one of Disraeli Gears by Cream. <laughs> he doesn't care. But he, he, so I, I, I put together a show for him every twice a month. I'll put together a show for him that I think fits you know, fits his taste and fits kind of uh, reflects what um, what his bands and his music and, you know, a lot of people just think it's Manowar, but it's not. It's also Dictators. It's also, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on there. So that's what's great about doing a show for him. Like I'm able to play punk stuff like Dead Boys and Sex Pistols and then mix mm -hmm. it up, with, you know, Crimson Glory and, you know, uh, Halloween you know, Hammerfall and Manowar, of course, and his band and, you know, you know, Ross the Boss Band and everything that he's into, like ACDC and Cream and Mountain and all the, the you know, proto-metal stuff that he loves and uh, and stuff that he grew up on. You know. But honestly, if it was up to him, he'd just play B.B. King records. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, B.B. King's his favorite. That's it. That's what he loves. Yeah. B. King, his favorite bands ever, B.B. King and Cream. And that's what, if it was up to him, that's what he'd be playing. But try to keep it a little more interesting than that. Well, uh, on that note, what have you been listening to lately? Anything of note? Lately, as far as new stuff goes, I've just been listening to drips and drabs of stuff. Hard to remember because so much stuff comes in and I can't even remember. Give me one second. I got to look at something because I have to. This is what happens when you get old. You can't remember. <laughs> you can't remember anything. So I have to look up what I bought. You know, I can't remember anything. Like I said, I listen to WGNY oldies all day, so <laughs> kind of a problem. I'll tell you what I bought recently that I really like. You know, this band Vicious Blade from. Um, I don't know them. From Vicious Blade is uh, uh, from Pittsburgh. Killer, thrashy, uh, death metal. Female singer who fucking rips. She's great. Oh, I got you know. I went on this like kind of tangent of female fronted or female bands because I was working with, I did the record for, uh, I did the, the, not the record. I did the, I produced the show on Gimme Metal for Castrator, the band Castrator. It's <laughs> a all, great name for a band. Yeah, they're all, all female death metal band. It was amazing. So they were, they had all this cool stuff on their list and then other stuff came up because of that. Like this band Aptera from, from Berlin, uh, Halder. Um, Halder's uh, great. Halder and uh, what other band? I got back into Derkata, all-female death metal band, and a lot of female-fronted stuff like uh, um, Vicious Blade and Savage Master and stuff like that. It's, it's just really 
great to see these bands. It's great to see not only the acceptance of, you know, it used to be, oh, that used to, be, you know, it used to be the same shit that that women always say. Oh, they're you're pretty good for a girl, or you know, they're pretty cool for a girl band. It's like that shit is out the window now. Thank the gods, you know, that shit. Like mm-hmm. now, it's like you know, these bands come out. It, luckily, most people I don't think care anymore. I think I don't know. Now, me, I don't. I never cared, so. I really don't care anymore about that, but hopefully more people are open-minded to be like, it doesn't matter what sex they are or what they are. It just, as long as they rip, they rip. So that's, that's what I've been excited about. Um, as far as newer stuff that I've bought recently that I've been listening to, I mean, I got the new, the new horns and hooves records really good and grave infestation. I'm really looking forward to this crippled black Phoenix. The singles great. What else? I mean, I've been buying the stuff. I don't know what I've been listening to so much. It's hard to. Oh yeah, listen. I'll, I'll, everything on Dark Descent is really great. The new Berater records, great. Prescription, Desolate Shrine, Malignant Altar. I'm, I'm liking all that stuff. I'm liking a lot of stuff on uh, Everlasting Spew records, like the Ritual Necromancy Fossilization Split is really cool. Occult is pretty cool. But I mean, like. To be completely honest, am I really sitting down and listening to these records? Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of listening to songs and then I'm so busy with other shit, honestly, that I'm not taking the time to listen to these records. And I should. This is kind of pathetic that I have all of them and then not, not listening to them. But it's all good stuff. I'm trying to think of what else is cool. I like the new Motivation record. I don't know if you heard that. It's really crazy shit. And I feel like I did listen to that and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a pyramid scheme heavy metal stuff. It's like Yeah, it's, it's like, really bizarre. Yeah, it's a um it's like uh a, a Genesis Peorage is on the record before Jen died and um but it's like that. It's like uh if if Throbbing Gristle did a heavy metal project and decided to make it into a cult situation, it's really cool. New Death Hammer's great, they're always great. I like this band Black Parade, it's uh um Oh yeah, I just wrote them down to check out. It's like a yeah, one black one person, yeah, but it's black it's metal cool. band. Yeah, it's really cool. It's um indigenous, I think. Uh, yeah, indigenous yeah, person. Amer- he's a Native American doing all, all songs about the Native American situation and Native American struggles. Really cool, really cool stuff. And what else? I I I really like the new Behold the Monolith record. Speaking of oh, me too. Love of it. Doom, speaking of Doom stuff, you know, it's like. I that felt that, that was like <clears throat> that was doom. Yeah, that rec that record's really great. Honestly, a lot of stuff on Ripple's fantastic. Todd has great taste. As far as like Doom and Stoner stuff goes, his stuff is pretty much top notch. Like everything on his label is really top notch. Like he's putting out some really cool stuff. He just did a show on Gimme Metal as well. It's really good. Been listening to that. Been listening to a bunch of stuff. Speaking of more doomy stuff, there's a um, a label out of. Seattle called uh, Satanic Royalty Records. Oh yeah, Fry, Fry Burger. I've had I've had Fry Burger on before, and yeah. I've had a couple, few of their bands on, like three of them. And yeah, he's John a great, he's a from great guy. Uh, Sandwriter has been yeah. on a couple times. Yeah, I like Eris. Eris is good. And yeah, Eris uh, is great. And uh, Dark I Meditation love, is I great. Love, I love the Dark Meditation record. I think yeah. that record is fantastic. It's funny because I, when I was growing up, I really wasn't into the goth stuff at all, but I now I appreciate it more, and I really appreciate the goth 
metal crossover. Mm -hmm. I remember I remember going to the Decibel Fest, the, De the Decibel tour, and I think it was two two thousand twelve or thirteen. I don't remember when it was, but I went to the Decibel tour, and that's when I saw it. It was their last tour. I saw In Solitude. And mm -hmm. in solitude was fucking great. I was like, wow, what is going on here? This is like goth, but metal. And this was new at the time. At the time, I was like, this is interesting. And then there's all these bands that kind of wrote off that, that I really like. I really like Unto Others. I think that band is fantastic. And I and then that got me into Dark Meditation, which I think is great. I think it's great, great band, really cool stuff. I, I like a lot of that stuff, which is funny because I didn't didn't like you know, at the time when I was growing up, the goth thing, I didn't like, I like it now. Like now when I go back and I was like, oh, wow, the Sisters of Mercy actually are really cool, you know, <laughs> but I, at the time I didn't like that stuff. At the time, I, to, at the time for me, it was like dance music, you know, for like mm -hmm. kids didn't, who weren't into punk, but wanted to look cool. You know, like I thought that was kind of lame, but now I like it. Now I think it's cool. <clears throat> so all these new bands that are embracing that and doing it in a metal way it's i think it's super cool i think that i think that unto others and dark meditation are doing really cool stuff unto others i i think are fantastic songs are great what were they called before they changed idle, their name idle right? hands. So yeah idle, yeah that's what they yeah. were i saw them once um what else uh there's a bunch of good stuff that came out lately uh there's this like extreme death metal band from uh calgary called wake i've been a I've enjoyed their stuff before, but their new record, Thought Form Descent, is excellent. Uh, the new Mantar album is very extreme, but also very catchy. I, I don't know where they're from, but there's this band called Nurser, and they're like a death grind band. They put out a great fucking record. Oh, um, there's this awesome, I think they're from Baltimore, uh, like a crossover hardcore thrash band called End It, and they have uh, an album or an EP, they have an out, they have a release out called Unpleasant Living. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of my favorite records of the year so far. The new Nebula album was fun. What, Nebula has a new record? Yeah. Found this weird, raw black metal band about dinosaurs called Dinosauros. I mean, yeah. it's like fucking really raw shit, man. Yeah, we, we, I think we played them on the air. What else? There's this really sick like 70s psych prog throwback kraut rock band out called uh birth and uh yeah, i found out about them their new album born is excellent yeah um, great good. artwork by david dandria who was on a few months back yeah we played some of that on the air that's really cool stuff and then uh just in terms of other stuff uh you're talking about atomic bitch wax i was listening to force field the other day went back yeah. and listened to Blackwater Park by Opeth. It took a long time to get through. It was a long album. <laughs> uh, Skinny Puppy. I love Skinny Puppy. Two Dark Park rabies are excellent. And uh, we talk about obituary a lot. So listen to Frozen in Time and uh, that album fucking rules. I'm, uh, I'm hoping I go see them because I saw them and Carcass at Maryland Death Fest. But like it was such an insane day. I had to leave early and they just announced they were going on tour with uh, Amata Marth and cattle decap and i'm hoping i can get out to see that show because yeah. i love obituary and carcass yeah obituary is great and cattle decap yeah I've, I've seen cattle decapitation live and they were amazing uh, like unbelievable like really unbelievable players like great like really wild show and uh 
Obituary is always great live. I've seen them a couple times. Carcass, I've seen like five or six times. They're always great. They're one of my favorites, Carcass. But I, I'm a huge Thin Lizzy fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of anything with uh, guitar minis, like, you know, Thin mm -hmm. Lizzy, um, Wishbone Ash. So I automatically love Carcass, because Carcass is basically the death metal Thin Lizzy. That's basically what they are. <laughs> They're basically playing Thin Lizzy songs, but just death metal. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And they'll readily admit that. And um, uh, I love that stuff, man. They're, they're so good live. They're, they're just, the playing is just unreal. Like really un unbelievable guitar playing. Um, but don't, yeah, don't miss them. They come through. And, uh, you know, obituary is always great. I saw them, I saw them once. Where did I see? I saw them, I think twice at St. Vitus. But that guitar player from Obituary, two of the guys from Obituary, I saw them with, um, they were playing in Melakesh. Remember Mel Melakesh, the band Melakesh? No, is that like one of the side projects they did or something? No, no, Melakesh is, is um, it's a band, but it's really just one guy and he has, you know, hired guns. Played oh, okay, okay, okay. But it's he's Israeli guy and he's put out a bunch okay. of records. They're really cool stuff. They were great. I saw, yeah, I saw Melakesh once with, Another cool band that disappeared right after this tour was uh, Lightning Swords of Death from L.A. They were really cool. They were a cool band. Both bands are great, man. They never came around again. And Melakesh, I think they just reissued. I don't think they have a new record, but they reissued. They, they were just on Gimme Metal as well recently, but really cool band. Do but you have anything, uh, got anything in the works right now or anything that you want to plug? Right now, um, no. I mean, the only thing I can plug right now I mean, I will say this, the, uh, the pandemic really killed my creativity because I, I had all this work going on, both production work and supposed to go on tour with all these bands and stuff and everything got destroyed. Yeah. So that kind of killed my creativity in a lot of ways. Like I, 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 I was actually excited about the, sh the lockdown. I was like, I'm going to stay at home and play guitar and write songs. And I did nothing. I did nothing. All I did was work and do whatever I had to do to, get money together to buy a house. <laughs> so that kind of ruined my creativity in a lot of ways. So I'm just starting to play again, play out again. And uh, okay, so the only thing I have coming up, I'm playing with the Mighty High. We're playing August 19th on what we're opening for uh, Speed Dealer and the Super Suckers on the on that Rocks Off concert cruise that goes around Manhattan. So that, oh, should, be nice. that should be fun as fuck. That's always great. And those guys are great. The I'm old friends with Speed Dealer guys and the, the Super Suckers guys are fucking great dudes too. So we're looking forward to that. And then um, not much else. I mean, uh, Osaka Pop Star is supposed to go back into the studio and start doing stuff again. I hope so. I don't know what's happening with that. This, uh, everyone's so busy. Um, I'm doing another band. We, we were just talking about Atomic Bitchwax with Bob Pantella, the drummer from Atomic Bitchwax. I'm doing this band called Secret Fox, which is really just a cover band. But uh, Bob was the original drummer we were playing with. And then he got too busy. But now he's coming back in the fold. So I'm really looking forward to playing with Bob again. And I think we're going to start writing originals and stuff. But that's really fun. It's uh, all like Jersey guys, you know, like Red Bank, Red mm -hmm. Bank area Jersey guys. And so that's been really fun. But nothing really. I mean, I, I wish I had more stuff to plug, but everything kind of fell out the wayside with the pandemic i just everything just stopped <laughs> so so i never really picked up on stuff again and i got 
wholeheartedly involved with the radio station. So I can plug that. I can say definitely sign up for Gimme Metal. It's free. You just go to gimmemetal.com, sign up for free. There's no obligation whatsoever. You listen for free, and it's uh, it's great. I mean, we have amazing shows. We have guest bands come on, and like for example, this Saturday will be uh, we were talking about Savage Master. They're doing a show. Uh, Aris did a show once, and um, you get these labels to come on to do shows like uh, Redefining Darkness and uh, Seeing Red, and all these other labels come on and do shows and. You know, we have Amana Marth doing a special every week for the for this month. And so definitely go and sign up for that. And if you're into country, we have a country station, Gimme Country, which is really great. We don't play that new country stuff. It's real country. So that's good. And, but other than that, not, not much else to plug. I mean, just trying to keep up with work with that. But I, I hope something comes up. You know, uh, uh, there is a possibility next year i might be going on tour with this band far flung you know this band far flung can't say i do interesting stuff it's uh like it's like kraut rock psych Mm -hmm. psych stuff it's um my friend tommy's band my friend tommy used to be in uh chrome and he used to be in hawkwind so uh, definitely has a pedigree there and it's really they're pretty pretty well known in that kind of psych drone post kraut rock stuff going on in europe so hopefully we'll do something. I'm supposed to play bass with those guys. So it hasn't happened yet because everyone's so busy and everyone's in different places. Tommy lives not too far from me here, but the rest of the band is like split up between California and one guy lives in Milan, Italy. So, so wow. yeah, so to get together, it's going to be a whole rigmarole thing. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully that'll happen because that'll get me back out on the road. We'll see. It's it's just been weird times. Getting older is weird. Like, you know, I, if this was happening 10, 15 years ago, I'd be freaking the fuck out. I'd be like, I, I'd be, you know, tearing down people's doors, trying to get into bands and do all this stuff. But at this point in my life, it's like, yeah, it sucks. Like I, I was so used to being on the road all the time. And when I wasn't on the road, I was working with other bands in the studio and I miss it. Don't get me wrong. And it was the best, but at this age, now I just kind of accepted that whatever comes, comes. And I'm just not that young and hungry anymore, which kind of sucks. But what can you do? Uh, I am really lucky to still be working in music nonstop. I'm lucky about that. And I'm lucky that I'm exposed to great stuff. And I'm lucky that I'm still playing. I'm still definitely still playing. But it's not like it's not like it was. Uh, I, I, I hope I wish it was. I wish I was constantly you know, booking tours and going out on the road and I love traveling. I love traveling to Europe and Asia and stuff like that. It's the best. And I love going to cool cities in America. Like I really miss, you know, hitting Chicago and Detroit and Minneapolis and Los Angeles and San Francisco, Seattle and Portland and all that kind of shit. And Austin, Texas. I love all those towns. If it, if it happens again, which hopefully it will, it will. And if it doesn't soon, I'll be 60. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be 52 in another couple of weeks. And it's like, but, but then I look at like, you know, Ross, the boss touring constantly. He's going, right. be, he's going to be 70 like next year, you know, like 69 or 70 years old. And keeps you young. You know, you'd never mm-hmm. know, you know, so we'll see what happens. It's just been weird times with the pandemic it's really put a fucking wrench into everything, you know, for everybody. 
You know? It did. I've said it many times. Didn't expect to be running this thing through the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's weird. It's a weird, I think back to it and I'm like, this is a weird document of yeah. this period of time where everybody had a kind of a unique tale, but at the same time, we all sort of had the same story. Yeah. Do you want to tell people where they can like find you? I think it's just Dean Rispler on Instagram and uh, yeah, yeah, all of Give Me Metal and Give Me Radio on Instagram. Yeah. And that probably will direct you to where to find shit. Yeah. I'm, the only social media I'm on now is Instagram because I, I, I can't, I could, I had to leave Facebook during the pandemic. It was just, it was just insane. Like it's still insane. Yeah, it is. And they're all, they're all insane, but Facebook was the worst. Facebook was like, everyone was a political, medical and military expert. You know, it didn't matter if you were left or right. It didn't matter. Everyone was a fucking expert. So I couldn't take it anymore. I was just like, I was reading people's posts and I'm like, I know you personally, you barely graduated high school. If you, graduated <laughs> at all. you know, like you're, you're, you're t talking politics or military expertise or medical expertise is even worse. So scary, really scary. So I had to get off. So I'm just on Instagram, just Dean Rispler and on Instagram. And also again, go to gimmemetal.com and uh, you could find me on there. I'm on there a lot more than I like to admit, but it's, you know, I, I produce a lot of shows, so I'm in the chat room quite a bit. So hit me up on there, but this was a blast though. Thank you, Dylan. I appreciate it. Thank you. I thank you for coming on. I, yeah. I appreciate it as well. And um, yeah, check out Dean in a couple of weeks, if you can, the mighty high. We'll be back next week, hopefully with another chapter of Diary of Doom and that'll do it for this week's chapter. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. And thank you for everyone who's listening. Appreciate it.